Welcome to Day 198, Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. Uh, as we read through First and Second Kings, we're experiencing both the rise and the fall of the nation of Israel. The uh, high points are, are short-lived, and there are they're few of them. We see a nation who uh, is carrying on the same tradition, actually, to find in the time of judges that people are doing what is right in their own eyes. And of course, the tragedy is, is this is a nation that deeply desired a king and the kings that are leading them uh, further and further away from God, which uh, kind of creates that little tension where we're waiting for, for a true king, a one who knows God truly, knows us truly, cares deeply for us, and uh, brings us into the uh, presence of God. So even though uh, we've already lost ten tribes, they have uh, dissipated they've been taken off to Assyria they will intermingle with other nations and we'll never see them again as a cohesive part of the nation of Israel they'll be the Samaritans that we find in, in the New Testament uh, there are two tribes left uh, Judah and Benjamin uh, they go under the name of Judah and uh, there are a couple of bright spots in their history and we're in the middle of one of them right now uh, Josiah the king who's come to the throne at eight years old and has become deeply aware of the law of the Lord and how far Israel has fallen short of the law of the Lord, and he leads the nation in revival. So this will be the last high point we see before the nation is carried off into exile and into Babylon. So let's start with Second Kings chapter 23 before we read as we always do. Let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord with great expectation that God will meet us in his word and continue his work in us through his word. So, Katie, you mind lifting us up? Not at all. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for these passages that um, show us um, the history of your people and um, even more importantly, um, how you've been present with your people and how you've accomplished your purposes here on the earth. Um, and Father, I pray that as, as we read together, that you would do a work in us that far surpasses what we could even imagine that you could do, um, and that you would shape us, that you would um, transform our hearts into um, a more humble people, uh, a people that long for you and long for your word um, and long to see your kingdom come here um, on earth as it is in heaven. So change us. Um, would you be with us? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Second Kings 23. The king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all of his heart and all of his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in the book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. The king ordered Hilkiah, the high priest, the priest next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Bel and Asherah and all the starry host. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley, and he took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priest appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and the moon, to the constellations and to all the story host. He took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem and burned it there. 
He ground it to powder and scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. He also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes that were in the temple of the Lord, the quarters where women did their weaving for Asherah. Josiah brought all the priests from the towns of Judah and desecrated the high priests from Geba to Beersheba, where the priests had burnt incense. He broke down the gateway at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, uh, the city governor, which was on the left side of the city gate. All the pri- although the priests of the high places did not serve at the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, they had unleavened bread with their fellow priests. He desecrated Topheth, which is in the valley of Ben-Hemon, so that no one could use it to sacrifice their son or their daughter in the fire of Molech. He removed from the entrance to the temple of the Lord the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. They were in the court near the room of an official named Nathan Melech. Josiah then burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. He pulled down the altars that the kings of Judah had erected on the roof near the upper room of Ahaz and the altars Manasseh had built in the two courts of the temple of the Lord. He removed from there, and he removed them from there and smashed them into pieces and threw the rubble into the Kidron Valley. The king also desecrated the high places that were east of Jerusalem on the south of the hill of corruption, the one Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth, the vile goddess of the Sidonians, for Chemosh, the vile uh, god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the people of Amnon. Josiah smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles and covered the sites with human bones. Even the altar at Bethel, the high place made by Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who had caused Israel to sin, even that altar and high place he had demolished. He burned the high places and ground it to the powder and burned the Asherah also. Then Josiah looked around, and when he saw the tombs that were on the hillside, he had the bones removed from them and burned on the altar to defile it in accordance with the word of the Lord proclaimed by the man of God who foretold these things. The king asked, What is that tombstone I see? The people of the city said, It marks the tomb of a man of God who came from Judah and pronounced against the altar of Bethel the very things you have done to it. Leave it alone, he said. Don't let anyone disturb his bones. So they spared his bones and those of the prophets who had come from Samaria. Just as he had done at Bethel, Josiah removed all the shrines at the high places that the kings of Israel had built in the towns of Samaria and it had aroused the Lord's anger. Josiah slaughtered all the priests of those high places on the altars and burned human bones on them. Then he went back to Jerusalem. The king gave this order to all the people, Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God, as is written in the book of the covenant. Neither in the days of the judges who led in Israel, nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of uh, the mediums, the spiritists, the household gods, the idols, and all the other detestable things seen in Judah. This he had to do to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all of his heart and with all of his soul and with all of his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. Nevertheless, the Lord did not turn away from him Uh, the heat of his fierce anger which burned against Judah because of all that Manasseh had done to arouse his anger. So the Lord said, I will remove Judah also from my presence as I removed Israel, and I will reject Jerusalem, the city I chose, and this temple about which I said my name shall be there. So for the other events of Josiah's reign and all he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? While Josiah was king, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went up to the Euphrates River to help a king of Assyria, King Josiah marched out to meet him in battle, but Necho faced him and killed him at Megiddo. 
Josiah's servants brought his body in a chariot from Ghetto to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. And the people of the land took Jehoaz, son of Josiah, and anointed him and made him king in place of his father. <clears throat> really incredible to find out what is actually going on in the temple. You know, we not only find it in disrepair, but we find uh, altars to Baal, altars to the constellations, altars to Astra. Even on the roof, there's a pagan altar you know, that is there. We also have in the temple quarters of male shrine prostitutes. And then immediately after that, there were some ladies weaving, which doesn't seem nearly as serious, but uh, uh, but also falls in a you know, idolatrous worship, you know, as they uh, are, are making uh, you know, the, these products as part of their worship, you know, for Astra. So the entire temple of the Lord has, uh, you know, been dedicated to, you know, to pagan worship. So it's not just that this is happening in some little corner of Jerusalem. It's happening in the very heart of, and of course, the way the Lord describes it in this city, uh, in this place of which I told you I would place my name, and my presence, uh, I am uh, turning my face away from. I am so struck struck by how <clears throat> worship of other gods is is like a cancer. It is a cancer that has taken over this this city, um, this people, and it started so so small, so subtly years before, and by not by not removing the people and their gods um, that they that they were driving out, they were supposed to drive out. And then we see how it has worked its way in to, like what you said, completely filling the temple of the Lord, which is supposed to be the most holy place, the, most pl- the place that's most dedicated to the living God. And it has taken over. And it's just so discouraging to see, but at the same time, like so... It, it's powerful to see Josiah's response to the law of the Lord and that he is wanting to do everything he can to restore things back to the way that they were and that they were supposed to be um, and according to the book of the law. So, um, yeah, I just think Josiah is doing everything he possibly can <laughs> to get things. Uh, no, he's he's not only. And of course, we're we're mentioning you know the the Kidron Valley, and we're mentioning uh, the Valley of Hinnom, Hinnom uh, and, and also the Valley of Megiddo. Of course, these all have you know places in the New Testament. These first two valleys are uh, the valleys that are used. They become you know dump sites, and they're constantly burning. So this is a place. Where the fires are never quenched, and the, where the worm continues to eat, you know. Mm-hmm. So these these develop our you know the, the, our description of what you know hell is like, the unquenchable fire, and where the worm devours, and, and of course the stench of it. You know, we've been a bit of a reminder, but it's because uh, Josiah has desecrated these places so that never again can they be, mm-hmm. you know, a place you know a place of false worship. And uh, of course, when he digs up, you know, the graves, we find that's kind of disrespectful. These are people who wanted to be buried there because of their dedication to the God, and so he uses their very bones to desecrate the altars in which they used to worship on. It's, it's pretty graphic. It's next level. You, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <Next> <laughs> when level. when Josiah, you know, when Josiah gets a little ticked, it gets a little ticked, yeah. and he went after it at a, at a, at a very in a very hard way. But it was a serious sin, and his his anger yeah. is is. Sharp as it is, it's not nearly as sharp as the jealous anger of, of our Lord, uh, you know, who desired you know to be among the people, 
to bless them with his presence and, and they rejected him. And of course, what you were talking about uh, a while ago, Katie, is idolatry usually happens as a both-and kind of proposition. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to worship God, but we're going to kind of tip our hat, you know, to Chemosh. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's what Jesus is talking about when he says in the Sermon on the Mount, nobody can serve two masters. You'll, you know, love the one, hate the other, be devoted to one, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, and your stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course, he moves idolatry away from those images, you know, that are set on the high places to those things that have captured, you know, the recesses, you know, the recesses of our heart. Mm-hmm. And any time we do a both and, we diminish uh, the greatness of our God, mm-hmm. and our hearts are more and more drawn to the end, and more and more drawn away from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Lord well, Himself. And, and once we allow for one, you know one idol or one slip or whatever we want to call that mm-hmm. it's so easy to begin to just justify the rest and you see that that slippery slope here it's it's not like israel just immediately jumped into a full force idol worship and said man let's just conclude all the gods it, it began subtly you know subtly and slowly and and it's turned into this and you know just two things quickly that that is remarkable to me is how in the world did they stop doing passover you know and, and not just it's been gone for a few seasons you know but they failed to do it for a long time, and this this event. In, in became, other words, Josiah made a bigger deal out of Passover than David had yeah. done. Yeah, you know, and and so just they had failed to observe Passover, and then I also love just that little note. You know, when it does talk about how remarkable Josiah is, you know, that he is um, Josiah. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. You know, with all his heart, all his soul, and all his strength. You know, that should be ringing bells in our head. But then it says, in accordance with the law of Moses, it was it was hearing the word of the Lord and it taking root in his heart. You know, that that is it's not just Josiah's determination to say, well, I'm going to try to be the greatest king ever. The word of the Lord took, you know, root in his heart. And of course, this is the third one, uh, third person that the writer of Kings has told us is the best king ever (laughs) that no one before him or no one after him was like him. He first spoken of David, then spoken of Hezekiah, now spoken of Josiah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, Katie was pointing out, it's just like Joe who has five best friends. (laughs) And so the writer of Kings has three best friends. (laughs) But we even see (laughs) verse 26, nevertheless, like Josiah, you know, as Katie said a few days ago, like, man, he's so good. However, he's doing I think all that this was stuff. Just, I think that was yesterday. <laughs> was it yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, they're blurring together. <laughs> but nevertheless, the, the Lord did not turn away the, the, the heat of his anger. So we just see even still like Josiah, as good as he was, couldn't get it done, which just leaves us with that anticipation again. And all the other kings like, well, this is the best one. This is the best one. This is, they couldn't get it done, which again is that anticipation of the king that could get it done, which would be And, Jesus of course, ultimately. we worship the one. Um, who in every respect uh, neither turned to the right nor the left, and no one before him and no one after him uh, even begins to compare. We've never done this before in the history of the podcast, but we had Katie open us in prayer, and we're going to have Katie close us in prayer as well. (laughs) Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together. Um, Thank you for kings like Josiah that, that... or encourage our hearts, but also point us to um, to Jesus, who was able to um, turn away or really absorb um, the wrath of God on our behalf. And um, so, thank you for the gift of grace that you've given us in Jesus Christ. And um, we praise you for it. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.